God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Hope everyone's doing good out there. I'm doing good. I'm having a good day. Oh, that's nice. It's nice to hear. It's always a good day when I can drop my kid off at fucking school. Yeah, it is. That's always a good day for me. It's never a good day to say it because people immediately, especially if they don't have kids, they're like, oh, what monster am I dealing with here? When you don't have kids, you make all kinds of judgments about people with kids. And then once you have kids, you're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah, and I don't even, I'm not even mad at him about it. It's the divide is so great. The inability to understand so vast that it's fine. Yeah. What can you or do? When people, or when people are like, this is my dog, Rufus. He's like my child. It's like, oh, okay, sure. The pet that you can just leave in a room when you go on vacation or go out to eat. Or eat if you get hungry. <laughs> or eat if you get hungry enough during a snowmageddon. Okay, yeah, that's like your kid. I'm like, well, my dogs are my kids. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Cool. Sure. He not right. <laughs> he wrong. But that's okay. That's okay. There's some things in life that you can't understand until you do them. And just because you did them, I mean, look, having a kid doesn't make me some fucking hero. My part in the adventure of having a child was, uh, well, it was the easiest part. Let's put it that way. And so I'm no great man for making a kid, but making a kid and being there for your kid will change your life in ways that nothing else will. So that's all. That's all it is. It's no big deal. I also Lots beg- of people do it. I also beg to differ with you. I think you are a hero. Right. Maybe for unrelated reasons. No, only for having a kid, especially the more kids you have, the more of a hero you are. So if you have like 35 kids, who is I just, somebody just told me somebody had like 35 kids. Something kind of unexpected. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But it was some dude had like 35 kids. He didn't care about any of them. He just had <laughs> like, them and then yeah. went and then went about his day. Right. Well, that's primal. That's old school. Yeah, that's old school. But this guy's like an author or something. It's like Nabokov or one of those guys just had a lot of kids. Wow. Just spreading the seed? Like why? Uh, with a bunch of different women. I mean, obviously, I can't. I, one woman can't have thirty-five fucking kids. Yeah, obviously, a bunch of women probably didn't know about each other. He was just like squirting. <laughs> oh God, gross! <laughs> That's I have funny. a. He was just walking around <laughs> squirting. I have a spiritual belief, though, and you know this about me. I philosophically and spiritually heavily subscribe to the idea of chosen family, and. One of the reasons is because I have a shitty dad. And when you have a shitty dad, you have to make you have to make a lot of sense of that. And some people never end up figuring that out. And that's weird too. I have friends that are still traumatized by their parents. And it's like, all right, get over it. You're you're a dad now. Get over it. But one of the things I had to do is I had to realize just because he squirted one time doesn't mean I owe him anything. And it doesn't really mean he has any type of purview over my existence, especially as an adult. When I was a kid, I was forced to be around them and forced to endure untold misery. But as an adult, you can be like, you know what? If this relationship isn't meeting my standards for a relationship, I can end it. Yeah. And I remember I, I had arguments with my dad 
but I haven't talked to him in about five years, but before the end of that, he would say things like, well, I'm your dad and you'll never replace me. So basically saying I can be as fucked up as I want to be because I have this weird blood power. I, he would say it that way. It wasn't like, hey, I'm your dad's son and we should really try to figure this out because I'm your dad. He's such a piece of shit that he would frame it like, well, I'm your fucking dad and no one will ever be, no one will ever be what I am in your life. So you have to deal with me. And I would say, no, wrong. I have friends who I consider father figures more so than you. And <laughs> you failed that test, homie. Dude, and you're, you're like Peter Dinklage in that scene from Game of Thrones where he comes upon his old, like the love of his life and she's fucking his dad. And then he kills her and then he goes in the toilet and his his dad's taking his shit and his dad shoots like, him with a bow and arrow. I kind of liked you. I, I just did it to make you better. And he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. and then he walks away with a tear in his eye. And that's you, Clint Wells, holding a no, crossbow, having really. just murdered two people. No, not really. But feeling pretty good about it. I wouldn't cry about it. I wouldn't do it. But Can, I, And then I also wouldn't cry. That, that show to me, all the dad shit was just too much for me. It was like, all right. To me, that show glorified the thing I'm talking about, which I think is a myth. The, the, the power of the dad. Fuck him. Fuck his dad. I killed my daddy. I was the one to kill dad. Uh. Fuck that. I don't have any of that. Dude, were you just doing like a completely spot on Ringo star? Was, was that the Beatles? On, yeah, that was Submarine. No, I was doing uh, Peter Dink, man. Dude, I'll put I, the abrev on I, I literally thought for a minute I was in an AA meeting and, and I was listening to Ringo Starr share. That's true. I'll get bought with a little help from my friends. Dude, a fr- you know, speaking of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm going to put the us in the anonymous part. Okay. A friend of mine has been attending. Like now, if you want to go to an AA meeting, you have to attend online. And my friend's been attending a meeting in london and ringo stars at that meeting what yeah wow i know that's really weird and and this is how badly i don't want to attend aa meetings i've never attended it that's how much i don't want to go to an aa meeting even online so you're saying you could be part of this ringo star aa meeting i mean i could go to the AA. I know which one it is and i could go there right and and you know watch him and listen to these people speak. And it's probably a good meeting. I've been to some meetings online in London. And there's something very nice about the way the British describe their alcoholic shit. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I had a little bit too much to drink, right? I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a fluff up at the, say, pulled a knife on me. It was a bit of a, we had a bit of mischief in the bar. <laughs> like the way they talk about it, like yeah. the shit like is going real bad. Like they're in real their chill lives, about but it. they're it's so chill. Uh, well, he cut off my mate's ear, <laughs> and he uh, fed it to a goldfish. But I had a little bit too much to drink that uh, night. It was a bit. It was a bit of a kerfuffle. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me let me ask you this: What do I mean? Other than like the movies, I don't know what happens in an AA meeting. What do you do in there? You just talk about how I almost drank this week, or I did drink this week. Well, you're, I'm, I'm, you're supposed you to you're supposed to share your experience, strength, and hope, which is experiences, which stuff that's happened to you, your strength, which is your reliance on a higher power, and your hope, which is <laughs> I hope I hope things get better. That's what you're supposed to do. But what people 
a lot of the times do is just talk about their problems and not really the right. solution. So I can re- really easily imagine. Or they'll talk about God, which uh, I can't even tell you how much I can't stand people telling me, like talking about things they don't know anything about that I hate. But ultimately, it really works if you want to not drink and don't and can't not drink. It'll allow you to live your life without drinking. Uh, so for that reason, it's wonderful. And it's also great for like getting spiritually connected, which I would, would never have been able to do. I'd be lost in the dark right now if it hadn't been for AA. I'd still hate God and and uh, the world, and and uh, I'd be miserable. And I'm, so, I'm not. So, so, well, that's cool. So people who are, are like, I think I'm going to drink today, or I, I just think, I don't think I can get through this week without drinking. They're like, they'll go to a meeting and feel better. Yes. Well, they'll, yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Before I started going to AA, I would wake up and I'd go, okay, I'm not going to drink today. And then at some point during the day, I would drink. And then that went on for a couple of years, the last couple of years that I was drinking. And then... I went to rehab, and then when I was in rehab, they're like, oh, you should go to AA. And I'm like, I don't feel like it. I feel like sitting here and watching TV all day, and they're like, oh, we should, you should do it. So I went, and then I was like, oh, that's how these people are staying sober. They're not doing it alone. They're doing it with the help of this organization. And then something clicked, and I was like, oh, I can stay sober for the rest of my life as long as I you know, go to these meetings. And so it works. Now, it doesn't work if you kind of want to drink. (laughs) Like, if you want to drink, you can go to all the AA meetings you want. You're going to drink. It's only for people who just don't want to drink anymore. So, like, when somebody calls me up and they're like, man, I'm thinking about quitting drinking. I'm like, okay, well, keep thinking about it and definitely keep drinking. That's always my thing. I'm like, if if there's any way you can keep drinking, please continue to drink. Whatever you do, keep drinking. Because it doesn't work for people who are like, mm, uh, I'm thinking about maybe doing it. <laughs> like, well, no, you got you got to be like, I I don't want to drink more than anything in the world. Then you can right. quit. It's got to be hard. I mean, I I you know, I, I I have friends who struggle with that who maybe or maybe think they have a problem or some shit's gone down that would indicate that there's something really wrong. And the idea of accepting that they're alcoholics. It was just really hard for them. And some of my friends are still dealing with that. They, it's just hard for them to say, I'm one of those people that can't drink ever. That's got to be a tough thing to wrestle with. I get it. It wasn't hard for me because I've just always known that I had a problem with drinking, even from the very beginning, from the first time I drank when I was 14 or 15, whenever it was. Like I just drank until I was puking. I didn't, I never drank rationally moderately. and moderately, like ever in my life. It just, it just wasn't part of it. And people used to ask me, they're like, why are you so fucked up? And I'm like, because I'm an alcoholic, motherfucker. Why do you think, bitch? I, I've been in a touring situation on the bus before where I looked, at, I looked at my guys around me and said, hey, why don't we not drink today? Like, why don't we do the show sober? Like, almost like just to do something different. Because we just have these same routines, which is, and you know me, man, I like to drink, but yeah. I'm also able to say, let's take a day off of that and just see what happens. A couple of the guys were like, yeah, cool, whatever. Uh, a couple of the guys, though, the look on their, the fear in their face, like they looked at me and looked, like went ashen and were like, 
I don't think I can do that, man. And they weren't like, that's lame. Fuck you. They just looked scared. I'll never forget that. I'll actually never forget that. The idea of getting through a day without drinking was like really scared them. And that's, that's a problem. <laughs> well, I you think, know, I think that is a problem. a problem for a lot of people. I mean, when I got sober, which was over 25 years ago, I mean, at no point when I got sober, did I think I would like be sober for 25 years. I was like, well, I'll be sober for a while. And then eventually I'll go to an island and on that island, I will drink a lot. And then I'll come back home and I'll not drink for a while. The idea of never drinking again was like, no way. I mean, life's too hard. Life's too hard to not drink. The idea of not drinking was ridiculous. And in fact, somebody asked me like a couple of days ago, they were like, what if somebody said you had like a day to live? What would you do? What would be on your bucket list? I'm like, there's only one thing I would do. Go to Specs, Biatch. I'm going, my first stop is, I'm at the doctor's and I'm like, uh, you have a condition that really, I think you probably have about 48 hours to live. I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to go. Where are you going? Spax. And I'm getting some fruity, whatever fruity drinks they have. Some champagne. Uh, you know, something to mix up a punch. Uh, lots of cigarettes. Whatever, you know. The, oh, what's your most expensive cigarettes? Give me three cartons. Well, why not just heroin then? Like if that's the philosophy. Oh, <clears throat> by the way. I said my first stop was Specs. I didn't oh, say right. my last stop was Specs. I said Your my first stop, stop was Specs. Second stop is Sixth Street uh, during, during the day. <laughs> Dude, my my second my second call is going to be to an Uber, and it's like we're going whore, heroin, and who knows what else hunting. Oh, this is like a Dr. Seuss book. Dude, <laughs> all the places you will go in the last forty eight hours, they're like, well, what about like scuba diving or or seeing a safari or i'm like <laughs> no specs specs and then a fucking whatever the the sinkiest slipperiest slope we can get on i'm telling you man i've played south by southwest like so many years like i mean not as many as you whatever but 10 years of that and that's the only time i ever really experienced sixth street was during that really crazy magical time and it's pretty wild, but it's a festival. It's a music festival. I was visiting Austin, I think with you. And I think my, I think Isbo was with me. And I was like, you know what we should do? You know, it's a really cool part of town is Sixth Street. Like, you know, I could show you all the bars I've played over there in South By. And we're like, yeah, let's go to Sixth Street. Maybe we'll get some lunch over there. You know, it's Austin. It's like downtown Austin. Sixth Street during the day on a Tuesday is real scary. Yeah. Real dicey. It's real dicey all the time. It was really an experience for me, but that's where you would need to go for your, I'm guessing for your, for your, to get the heroin shot into your dick or whatever, however they do it these days. I don't, it probably wouldn't take me very long to get to the crack heroin part of the day. I don't know what I would do. I would, I don't know if I would do that. I definitely wouldn't also, I wouldn't be like, put me, you know what I always wanted to do, uh, Isabel, a hot air balloon, procure me. Like I'm never doing that either. (laughs) I'm probably just laying around and watching movies, spending time with my family. Uh, yeah. Because I can tell you this, you haven't been drunk in a long time. And I'm a man who experiences getting drunk weekly and I enjoy it, but it's, it's not good. It sucks. The other night I had a campfire hang with a few buddies. I had four beers and two glasses of wine and I felt like shit. And I was like, this sucks. It's just not fun anymore. 
And I don't, you haven't been drunk in so long. It sucks. You don't want to spend your last day feeling like shit. Oh, I, being a, being I'm not blackout. I'm not sober enough. There's no sober enough. If I got 48 no, hours, there was no live, hangover. Yeah, there's no hangover. I'm just doing it all. I mean, I'm. It's gonna end with I'm gonna get all patched up. I'm gonna find me some fentanyl patches. I'm get patched up, <laughs> and I'm going night night. Yeah, there's no. Oh, I hope. How am I gonna get to work tomorrow? No, isn't it being human? I mean, th- we're talking about the most fearful thing ever and it's like being human is so horrible because you're just looking down the barrel of that 24 7 that's just if you think about it most people don't because it's horrible but think about it any day you could get news okay your back hurt for a couple of weeks you went to check it out Uh oh bye bye six months or the car crashes into you tomorrow any day could be this horrible thing that we dread which is the end of it the end of the experience that fucking airplane that, that parts of the airplane fell out of the sky in Colorado and didn't, we live, but you know, we see planes all day at my house because we live close to the airport. Do you imagine just chilling in your front yard and a fucking engine of a plane crushes you? Dude, I just got this book by this guy, Philip Gustin, who's this painter. And if you saw his paintings, you'd be like, what? Are you sure it's not Deep, Deepak Chopra's book? <laughs> he'd be like, well, for a while, I thought, sure? he, I thought for, for a while I thought this guy was Deepak Chopra, but he's not. So this yeah. guy started out in the 30s and 40s doing these big murals, and that artwork was pretty good. And then in the 50s, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to poop, not poop, but he just started doing these like really abstract expressionist paintings that were so ridiculous. They're just like globs of paint on a canvas he did that and he did thousands of them he did that for about 15 years maybe longer maybe 20 years of just like dude change it up change up these paintings and then at some point he just started doing like like stick figure drawing paintings which are what he's really famous for anyways blah 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 he becomes late in his life he becomes extremely famous in this all from 1970 to 1980. He's like one of the biggest painters in the world. He becomes huge doing these like stick figure drawings. And then he's at <clears throat> he's at a, a table one night when he's 70 years old and compliments the lady on dinner. She's like, oh, wonderful dinner. And then he goes <clears throat> and has a heart attack and dies instantly. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's the life I want. I want that life. I want the last 10 years of my life from 60 to 70 to have the whole world celebrate my greatness and then be having a lovely dinner and go, how amazing would that be? I'd rather have that than a terminal illness for sure. Yeah. Dude, you know what we haven't talked about? What we haven't. I'm okay. Good God. Dude, you know what we haven't talked about in a while? Our recommendations. I've got two amazing recommendations. And I also have some questions for you, my good sir, if I may proffer Yes. Well, let's hear the recommendations. Here are my recommendations. There's a show on Netflix called Call My Agent. It's in French. It's really one of the best shows I've seen. I I think I've even mentioned it on this podcast. If you're looking for something great to watch on Netflix, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's so good. I think there's four or five seasons of it. Uh, And then I just started watching a show called Lupin, L-U-P-I-N, also French. Uh, And I'm not a fan of French cinema. And I 
didn't want to watch it. And then for some reason, I started watching it. Really fun show. I don't want to tell you anything about it. It's just worth watching. Uh, now, the question I got to ask you is, I'm slogging through WandaVision, slogging mm-hmm. through it, and I am not enjoying it one bit. Uh, but I'm mm-hmm. watching it because you watched the whole thing mm-hmm. and s- liked it so much that it's gotten you to watch all the old Marvel stuff. So what is it about this show that you like? You got to tell me because right now I'm hating it. I'm on the episode where she just got launched out of the thing and you're you've you're the last thing that happened was Wanda came out and said, "Hey, get the fuck away from my house. Don't yeah, don't the, bug me I'll, anymore." I love and that. One. That's where I'm at. And so far, hating that show. Well, I think I, I, I just don't care about any of those characters. I don't care about Wanda and I don't care about Vision. I don't like them at all. And I don't like the the lady Rambo. All of it's horrible. I don't like any of it. <laughs> well, you've really set me up to succeed here. Uh, I don't think there's anything I'm going to say that's going to make you like it. I can tell you why I like it, though. Okay. I didn't know who Wanda was or Vision. So I had 0% context. I didn't know what sword was or shield. I didn't know Rambo or her mom. I did, I went in completely dry. What I liked about it was it's got a dark edge in it that's not in any of the films. There's something really wrong. I didn't know when the first... So the first episode, for those of you who don't know, this is spoiler alert. I thought the whole show would be like this. The first episode is like, I Love Lucy, 50s sitcom with a 50s jingle. Second episode is 60s, Brady Bunch. And then they go through the decades up to modern times. It's really cool. So, of course, with the first episode with I Love Lucy, which I just watched it because everyone was freaking out about it. So I don't know anything. So all I'm seeing is it's black and white. It's very 50s. And they have powers, but they're trying to live like normal people. And right underneath, and it's intentionally built in, but underneath it is something is really, really wrong. And it made me scared. And I thought to myself, I've never felt scared. To me, the biggest problem with the MCU is it's all about these like scary people that are never scary ever. It's cartoonishly stupid. No consequences. There's no risk. They blow each other up and slam each other into concrete and destroy cities. And no one, there's no consequence for any of it. Even Than, they get close with Thanos, but I just read the Infinity Gauntlet, actually the comics, but he's supposed to be one of the scariest things in the, in the universe. And it's just, they don't land that part of it. And I, I don't have suggestions for how to, I don't know. But here's the deal. That first episode of WandaVision, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And this is creepy. And so I was in. I watched maybe two or three after that. And after the third or fourth episode is when I was like, okay, I'm going to go and watch these movies so I know who these people are. And I'm with you. Like, I don't, when you see them in the, the movies, they're just more disposable heroes. It's just boring. She, she, her brother died and she can move shit with her mind and he's some sort of fucking robot all right it's there's a million of those but i another key for it for me is i actually love elizabeth olsen so that's always going to inform is she like person that plays one yeah i don't like her at all so if you like i mean i'll recommend uh, uh, martha mary may uh, marlene i'll recommend a movie called silent house i just think she's a great actor and i love watching her so i'm endeared to her through that way I love the music. I love the theme songs. Just as a songwriter, every episode, I'm like, could I have written that? Like, I think the theme songs are really well written. It's a different theme song for every episode. 
That's and that's definitely my favorite part of the show are the theme songs for sure. They're they're so well written. I think it's a husband and wife who do it. Uh, it's really cool. What you start to realize, and this is what makes me like Wanda the character, is you start to realize that she's different. She's different than these other disposable people. Uh, she's probably the most powerful, special person in all of these stories. And what WandaVision you find out is Vision, her the love of her life, died, and she can't cope with the grief of his death. So she has, with her mind, created an entire city where they can live with their kids. And the story of WandaVision is the story of that going bad and going wrong. Because she, the people in the city are actually real people that she's imprisoned their minds. So she's she's manipulating so much time and space out of her grief. And when they start to fuck with her world, she comes out and she basically is like, you do not want to fuck with me. And she starts to show why she shouldn't be fucked with. I, what, so, I, like, all, I like all of that idea. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like the way they're doing like the way they're doing it. I find very annoying. And I, it's I'm just so fresh though. It. Like think about that story. Think about this. No, the, the story is cool. This, I like that story. I like the idea. I like all of that. I just don't like the, I don't like the way they're doing it, but telling it through her world and her world keeps changing from these decades and everything about their furniture, the food they're eating, the way they talk, they could have just put out a movie that's her living in a true because what what is cool about WandaVision is it's a combination of MCU with a little bit of David Lynch, a lot of Lost, and a lot of Truman Show. So the so all those cool meta shows and and films are swirl. The people who wrote this obviously loved the. It's an homage to that shit. It's a very surreal cinema. Uh, they could have just told the fucking story and had people slam each other in a concrete. But instead, you got this weird beekeeper coming out of the sewer. You've got this big force field wall. You've got her, obviously the most powerful person in the world. And you got it all breaking down, her losing her mind. She's obviously insane. I, I just can't think of what else I would want from these stories than for it to be told in this Lynchian, misdirected way. It's just the movies are just a bunch of fucking McDonald's. This feels like a real piece of art to me. So that's, uh, I rest my case. I rest uh, my case. Okay. I, and I agree with everything you're saying about that idea. And I, I like the idea of it. And there are moments like the beekeeper coming out of the sewer and stuff that, that are cool. And there's lots of cool things about it. There's just so many. Here's why, like, here's why I recommend watching Call My Agent. Like you watch Call My Agent and you're like, oh, this is, this is an ensemble cast. Like, I love every single character. They're all flawed in their own ways. They're all lovable. You care about all the characters. You want to see what they're going to do. You love, it's so funny, but not because they're trying to tell some stupid fucking, like, I'll be back, baby jokes. Like, that fucking weird, like, oh, let's come up with a phrase that's going to trend on Twitter. No, they're just such amazing actors. The tour de force acting ensemble of call my agent and just the situations you're just like oh this is this is what this is what is possible this is what is possible in the in in this media of film and then you see it, it was like when i was reading i was reading uh who wrote fight club who's that author chuck palaniot i was reading that and i was reading uh adventures of cavalier and clay 
by Michael Chabon or however you say his name. And he won the Pulitzer for that book. And it was like reading Chabon, Chabon, how do you say his name? I don't know him. I did read all the Chuck Palahniuk stuff though. And it's, it was real mesmerizing for a time, but now, he's looking not, back on that is like, he's not a good, he's not a good writer. No, he, he has interesting ideas, like really interesting ideas that go a long way, especially in film. But I'm reading, I'm reading that, those two authors at the same time. And you, and you, you just see the disparity between somebody who's brilliant and somebody who's okay. And I feel mm. like that's what's going on. Like I'm, I'm watching this Call My Agent, which is one of the best shows I've ever seen. And then watching WandaVision, which is, again, a lot of great ideas, a lot of uh, things that could be, could have been done really wonderfully and just are done in this weird sort of just Marvel through ham fisted way that it's, it, it's not horrible. It's, it's okay. I mean, they threw, I think they threw more money at that project than anything they've ever done, which is bizarre to me that they've spent that much money on this project. Well, you also have to realize, and I didn't realize this until I realized what the world is. And so what's happening is someone's watching WandaVision and everything with MCU is episodic. Even the movies are three hour long episodes and they're not meant to be, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy you could take as a movie. Maybe that Wolverine, that last Wolverine movie was like a film noir movie. Maybe that's a movie. But mostly these are not movies. They're episodes in the great tale. So when someone watches WandaVision, they're thinking of all the characters that MCU hasn't even introduced yet. Dr. Doom and Adam Warlock. I mean, I just read the Infinity Gauntlet where they just basically throw every character in the world into the... Dude, I, 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 I read the Infinity Gauntlet when it was coming out back in the 70s. Like, I loved it. And I was scared to fucking death of Thanos. Thanos, whatever you say his name. Right. And um, I didn't, I thought the Infinity War and uh, what was the one? Uh, Endgame. Endgame. I thought those movies were incredible. And even though they got Thanos, Thanos wrong in those movies, like they tried to make him more human. And Josh Brolin did a fine job playing him. In those comics, dude, that dude was fucking the harbinger of doom, and he was the most powerful being in the in the world. And they were throwing everybody at him, and they and they couldn't defeat him. I mean, it was amazing. And the artwork, uh, it was a Starlin, was the yeah, artist Jeff Starlin, uh, beautiful artwork. And uh, dude, I love those comics, and 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 I love the movies. I thought the movies were were really well done too. But like, so. you don't watch a um, you know, you don't watch a a Denis Villeneuve film and you go, okay, this is a building block. Sicario is just a building block to Blade Runner, which was a, or whatever enemy you, you take all of them as their own merit and you go, that was a good movie. That was a bad movie with WandaVision. You can't really do that. So I think people forgive the faults because they go, this is just a building block to whatever they're going to do next with fucking silver surfer. And that's why people get so jazzed about it. It's like horror movies too. You can't judge a horror movie the way you judge The Godfather. You just can't. But you can. But you can. I mean, it's like Star Trek. There's really good stuff. Like that Star Trek Discovery that's on CBS All Access, the first season of that is the best Star Trek of all time. You can compare it to other Star Treks. You can compare right. horror movies to each other, but you can't really compare horror movies, which is such a, a, a electric genre, to like dramas. You can't compare 
fucking, uh, you know, uh, the witch to La La Land. But you can compare La La Land to The Godfather. Like, those movies exist in the same world. I feel like comic book movies and st- I feel like sci-fi and horror, which is that's comic books is just sci-fi. Sci-fi and horror exist in their own realms and you judge them by each other. It makes no sense to judge Avengers Infinity War against Moonlight. Like this doesn't work. Or even against like Die Hard. It just doesn't work. I I disagree. I think all art should be judged equally in terms of like criteria. Because there are some comic book movies that 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 live up to those other movies. There there are not many of them, but it's just like all movies. There's very few movies that live up to the classics. But there's definitely some I think that first Guardians of the Galaxy is a masterpiece. I think mm-hmm. uh um I I I think that Deadpool two is one of one of my like that's probably my top hundred movies of all time. I love that movie. Um have you watched the Deadpool movies at all? Just the first one. Also, we got to get out of here. Oh, uh, dude, did we just nerd out? Did, yeah. Did, should this episode be called, I'm a nerd, you're a nerd, I'm not a nerd? No, I am a nerd. <laughs> dude, we've nerded out hard on this episode. I'm sure it will be Here's what we did. Break. We lost We lost some ladies on this one. These Some of the ladies were like, I used to like it, but when they started talking about Marvel Universe, uh, I think I'm in a click on the next episode and hopefully they talk about something hotter than well this. you'll have to just stay tuned and see what we do next because even we don't know we'll see you on the flip-flop thank you for the support thank you for the sweet messages we got this week and uh we're going to spend more time on uh, listener emails and stuff on the next episode so we'll see you on the flippity flop be good bye bye <laughs>